0: Get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust progressive progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates
1: price and coverage match limited by state law. And we are back. Your boys, Fitzy and Hart, the six rings crew here with the latest six rings in football things podcast brought to you by Weei Odyssey sports. And 2400 I that's, that's right. It's an odyssey. WF. Sure, whatever. Yeah, that's sure, fine. Sure, whatever. Yeah, it's fine. No one really cares. On today's episode, we are in the aftermath of the draft or math. We have reviewed and rated the Patriots 2023 NFL draft. If you missed that episode, spoiler alert, Andy gave it a B. I gave it a B plus. The episode itself was an absolute A+, but the draft, we gave it our grades, and we shared those of many others around the wide world of football prognostication expert and analyses. You can, of course, go back using the Odyssey app, go to wei.com, or, as you should have already done, reviewed, subscribed, and shared the podcast. On today's episode, we'll clean up everything else in Isle Foxborough. We'll talk uh, about Juju Smith-Schuster's first media availability, the UDFA class, and which one we believe not only will make the team keeping the Patriots' record-breaking streak alive, but could have an immediate impact on the roster this fall and beyond. A few other items, uh, someone was talking QB tears, and we don't just mean Matt crying last year over the offense. Andy had a chance also to make his way down to Gillette Stadium for Mike Gesicki's media avail, and ran into our pal Andrew Callahan of the Boston Herald, who he had a nice chat with, about some conversations, a uh, friend of show, and also someone we respect very much, Jim Nagy had about next year's draft class. So you're going to definitely want to check out Andy's chat with Callahan. And then we'll wrap up talking Mike Vrabel, the latest member, the 34th member of the New England Patriots Hall of Fame. Certainly deserved, but still mildly controversial and of his no, oh, not of his own doing. All right, Andy. So the other day, Juju, the, uh, dare I say, prize of the Patriots free agent offseason and class 2023, they basically said, we're good, Jacoby. We'd prefer Juju over you since the contracts were ultimately similar. They bring in Juju Smith-Schuster. It's a $25.5 million deal. Could be worth up to $33 million. Same amount that Jacoby's deal could be worth up to with the <coughs> Vegas Raiders. Uh, $16 million guaranteed. Met with reporters for about 11 minutes the other day. Uh, like, as as promised, as advertised, Joyful, upbeat, a little bit irreverent, reasonably knowledgeable, good teammate guy, spoke of his love of Joe Tooney when the name was mentioned because, of course, he was part of the Super Bowl winning Kansas City Chiefs last year. Um, I thought it was for your basic initial meet and greet in that weird new media room at Gillette. I thought it was pretty standard issue, cut and dry. Uh, What were your big takeaways? Uh well, I think
0: the a couple big takeaways that obviously everybody hopped on for their blogs and their headlines that he came to New England because of Bill. OK, great. You know, whatever. True. Not true. Don't really care. That's fine.
1: The dollar bills,
0: you mean? <laughs> that's what I think. I think generally players go where their best opportunity lies and generally best opportunity means biggest paycheck. And like Matthew
1: Judon famously said two years ago that didn't choose the Patriots. They chose me.
0: Now, I do still believe there is an aura around Bill Belichick that can be alluring, intriguing, like, hey, these two are similar, teams have similar chances. I'll go see what it's like to play for Bill. He is still considered a GOAT and all that. Learn from him. Um, But then I thought most interesting was obviously his comments about the way he's learning the new offense that's not just new for him, that is new for everybody. Bill O'Brien, whatever he is doing with the Patriots offense in terms of You know, the old school stuff that was McDaniels and himself in his first tenure, whatever he did in Houston and Alabama, what Mac likes, modern NFL. Um, You know, Juju talking about using note cards and feeling like he deserves a college degree um, after all the studying they have done this spring. And I think really, isn't that the story of the team of the offseason of when we get to September? What does the offense look like? Is it good enough? Like those two questions, really simple questions. What is the Patriots offense now under Bill O'Brien? And is it good enough? Is it is it, you know, at a level where this team can you our word be competitive, compete for whatever their talent allows them to compete for, whether that's a wild card spot, whether it's overachieve, underachieve. But what is the offense? And now I think Juju is um, optimistic. You know, everybody's a number one wide receiver kind of thing. Oh, yay. That worked out great for the Sox when everybody was an ace. That was really awesome. Yeah, Whatever. I'll, I'll that pat, that yeah. was great. Yeah. <laughs> um, what,
1: was the, what was the old chant? It was, uh, be aggressive. Be, be aggressive. Now we've we've resorted to, or be competitive. Just be right. competitive. And, that's and, where, That's where we live. But at the same time, I would actually find that. I can't believe this. Refreshing, Andy. I would. And guys like Juju, I think, regardless of check, regardless of, reasons for departure from a Super Bowl team and landing in New England. I think he's someone who likes the game enough. Now a seven-year veteran with obviously uh, the first five years in Pittsburgh, one year in KC. Now his third stop is New England for what should be three years. I think he genuinely likes to play football. And he talked about learning, yes, learning the playbook, said he'll do whatever he has to do in terms of blocking. He doesn't mind going over the middle, wants to integrate with the teammates, get to know everybody, hasn't thrown with Mac yet or had a sesh but they will soon. Obviously, they're in phase two of the voluntary portion of off-season workouts. And I did find this mildly interesting. The -hmm. whole idea, like, I had no idea, uh, coming here to New England, how many two-way players we had. Now, I thought he was going to talk about Marcus Jones. Like, hell, you're telling me this guy returns, kicks, picks off passes, and takes passes to the house? That's actually a three-way player. Now, he was talking about the fact that I think he was almost maybe tipping this umpteenth iteration of the Earhart Perkins Weiss Belichick McDaniels O'Brien playbook notice the complete omission of Patricia from there that there's going to be a lot of multilateral usage you're going to see receivers probably in the backfield with carries you'll see you'll see backs split out I think this is going to be a little bit of a creatively spun all hands on deck approach to offense and scoring the ball
0: and I think we've touched on that but that's the reality they don't have one or two guys you can just count on to say, these are our stars. These are our studs. This is what they do. They're better than you. They beat you at it. This is where we go with the game on the line or got to have it plays as Belichick calls them. And in theory, that's supposed to play into Max. Superpower, as Dan Orlovsky likes to say, right? His ability to read a defense, make a decision, pre-snap, during snap, -snap. post-snap. In theory, I I think it's good. They don't have a number one receiver. They don't. They do not have an elite playmaker. Juju, Maybe is their number one, Devonte Parker. Maybe is their number one, Kendrick Bourne. Maybe bounces back. Who knows? But I also think they have a lot of good options, competitive options. To mm-hmm. use our c-word that we're going to mm-hmm. continue to throw around, um, you know, Ramondre Stevenson is a star. I think James Robinson is going to be very productive. Ty Montgomery is still on the roster.
1: Hunter Henry. I forgot about Ty Montgomery. Thank Don't you, forget. Andy. I, oh, I forgot. I'm the brains about... of this operation. I was. So... <laughs> what does it say you do? See, I'm, the brains, a... I'm the brains. What brawn, would you I'm say the... you do here? <laughs> see, even a compliment on this effing show can't come without an insult. Um, but I would also say, and I would, I would have to go back and look specifically, but Bill
0: O'Brien was here with Aaron Hernandez, who was a lot of things I'm going to stick to on
1: the field. He was a versatile footballer. It always has to come with that caveat and disclaimer, (laughs) but I too would like to actually point out that during the three seasons he played for the team, he was awesome on the field. And in the backfield
0: they used him in the backfield yes. he was a slug receiver he and Wes Welker I always say he and Wes Welker lined up in the same line for positional drills in practice they were considered of the similar position if not the same person you know Welker obviously feared being in line with him he's talking about I was about just gonna was say Welker
1: was also <laughs> absolutely terrified head on a
0: swivel where is he where'd that where'd Hernandez Ugh. go um But if you remember, Hernandez was in the backfield. Hernandez would take some handoffs, not to the Mm -hmm. Cordero Patterson level, but just keep you on your toes. And I am intrigued. I would even throw the two second-year running backs. Pierre Strong, super fast. Where can you use him? Where can you maybe get one matchup? It only has to be one, right? He motions out of the backfield. Suddenly, the fastest running back is on a linebacker, and you go, huh, maybe we throw it up to him and see if he can beat said linebacker with his unique speed. So Mm. I I am – I agree with you that it was interesting that Juju brought that up uh, as something he sort of didn't know or notices, because I do think if the offense is going to either achieve or overachieve, it's going to be the, the, the sum is greater than the parts, right? Like none of them are superstars, but huh, you put it all together and that's a really good meal.
1: We just made with those ingredients. Exactly. And this is, this will harken back to the days before people, on the defensive side of the ball and a certain greatest quarterback of all time emerged as stars. They were a sum is greater than the parts type of team. And no, I'm not just talking about their team first approach, which to remind everyone historically was an accident that happened at the Cincinnati game. And then they wrote it during a time of unification in America, all the way to a shocking Super Bowl upset. I'm with you hundred percent, you know, slowly, but surely one blog post one, one six rings podcast at a time. I'm starting to not like fanboy out and and get overly excited about this fall, but I'm starting to. You ready for this? I am starting to believe again. I am starting to. I am. I am placing an inordinate amount of faith, maybe not too, hopefully not too much, in the lap or hands on Bill O'Brien. But like you pointed out a few weeks ago in a column at dot com, uh, he is the guy. He's not the one with the most riding on him, but he's the guy who's got the most to be expected of, and uh, if not the most pressure on him, like. Here you go, Bill. No big deal. We were the worst offense in the NFL last year, and in the team's history, Uh, we're not going to give you a like any sort of like twenty-eight day dry aged beef, uh, you know, sturgeon caviar or foie gras. But we do expect a Michelin starred meal worthy of being an Iron Chef. Get after it. Uh, Oh, also we don't know. Also (laughs) we are not sure we like the quarterbacks. Good luck. Is it what is that word? It's not Michelin. Michelin. Well, it's Michelin here, but they say they said where they always say Michelin. Wow. For the does fancy Michelin, friends restaurants. See? Does Michelin have cave-aged cheese. See, see? Again, ask anyone else. Shime likes it. Keith likes it as well. You're the only one in our extended Six Rings family. The Michelin man. Yes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of tires would you like? Firestone or Michelin? I'm going to try uh, that next
0: time. I am. Li- you should do that. That would, be, <laughs> that <laughs> would not be hilarious. They're not the podcast, but they are the best tire, I believe. Uh, so.
1: Deep Dive, by the way, too. Just a funny little, funny little fact about it. The reason why... Uh, the Michelin stars, Michelin, if you will. They created their whole restaurant thing based on a like they basically wanted you to drive more. So they're like, hey, out get your in tires. your car with your, your tires, go into these restaurants. And now it is the internationally approved dining mm. guide. It's freaking and that is genius. that is next level freaking genius right there. That guy and you brilliant. are next level genius for listening to the Greatest Patriots podcast. Thank you guys for tuning in to Six Rings and Football Things. Please rate review, subscribe and share. Uh Andy, one more little nug before we get to uh, your interview with Andrew Callahan on Gasicki media day. Uh, we never really touched in our draft review, the undrafted free agents. Mm. And now how they will affect the draft class and the grade we gave them, I think needs a little time to marinate and develop, but you can judge the class usually uh, in and of itself. Usually the Patriots are pretty aggressive when it comes to UDFA season. Sometimes they bring in as many as seven into the fold and usually one or two of them make it to the team. Like I said earlier, they're going on 19 straight years of an UDFA making it to the game day, 53 man roster. And I think this will make 20 because of the three that they signed, um, the linebacker whose name I forget as uh, Seabling, Seabreeze, Seabold. There's like a special teams linebacker from insert were, name were, of somewhere state. We're not going to worry about that guy. Um, there's Ed Lee, the wide receiver. There's, Three and a half, if you will. The wide receiver from Rhode Island, who is highly productive. He's getting a camp invitation. So he's not technically even an UDFA, per se. He's not been signed yet. He's getting a camp invitation. Love a scrappy underdog story. Local kid with speed to spare. There's Louisiana Lafayette tight end. uh, 26-year-old Johnny Lumpkin, 6'7", 270. So an absolute unit. A specimen of a blocking tight end at best. Who doesn't love uh, giving a flyer for a couple of bucks to a raging Cajun? But the guy we're all going to be talking about, whose highlights are probably number two on the Twitter and Instagram sphere for the diehards and the Foxborough faithful, next to Kayshawn Boutte, Malik Cunningham, quarterback of Louisville, who literally took over for Lamar Jackson. And I think the reason why he literally took over for him was because somebody found this kid and said, I think we can just put him in and no one will notice that it's not Lamar Jackson from just body type looking like him to a playing style, utterly reminiscent of him. Now, not quite as productive in college for four years, not quite as accurate a passer. No, but man, he is elusive. He is fast. He can scoot and he was productive, but. Lamar Jackson went at the end of the first round. 2018, this kid goes as an undrafted free agent. He was awarded the richest free, undrafted free agent contract in Patriots history. I think it's because they smell somebody who can play special teams and who's willing to switch positions. We could have an Edelman-type hopeful development here. Okay. Cliche alert. Cliche alert. All right, well, what do you great. see him doing? What do you, you think he's going to the break. I I said development. I didn't say success story or we could have an
0: Edelman. You just said we could have an Edelman. You know what we could have Michael Bishop Cordell Stewart. Like let's go with guys that aren't. I mean, Cordell Stewart. Fine. Okay. Slash but my point is Edelman. You just said a guy who's considered one of the greatest postseason history uh, receivers in history. I'm looking at what they did. They took a
1: quarter. uh, They took a run and shoot quarterback who wasn't a a real passer was a runner was an athlete who was willing to do whatever, maybe they'll try a similar process of seeing where talent, athleticism, will, and speed, and maneuverability like that can fit in on the field. Not, oh, here's an absolute stud who should be a local, if not National Hall of Famer.
0: Well, I will say, he's a better athlete than Julian Edelman, in my opinion. He is a better playmaker with the ball in his hands. Like, he is an elite. As you said, go to social media, go to YouTube, look up some highlights, and you'll be like, wow. Wow. This guy's pretty, pretty legit, a little pinball kind of all over the field, making plays. So with the ball in his hands, he works as an athlete and I'll be interested to see starting, you know, an OTA straight through where they're using him. Is it out of the backfield? Is it slot receiver? Is it, you know, all of that? Do they just kind of throw everything at him and see if something sticks? If it's special teams, um, return or whatever with the ball in his hands, it's a little bit like Marcus Jones, right? We've said with the ball in his hands, he's really good, so why don't we find ways to get the ball in his hands? Mm-hmm. This is a similar thing. Where can you develop him? Um, it may go nowhere. Now, they did give him significant guaranteed salary. I think it's a $20,000 bonus or $30,000 bonus and then one hundred and seventy dollars yep. in guaranteed salary.
1: some nice paper.
0: It is, and could he be the emergency third quarterback slash – and here's where I get into Cordell Stewart – slash – Backup slot receiver, slash backup kickoff returner, slash whatever you may ask.
1: Gunner on be. special teams, whatever.
0: Sure. So and and the difference, another difference between, you know, he wasn't the Heisman winner, he wasn't a first round pick, but another difference is Lamar was a quarterback. This guy, Malik Cunningham, has been open to a position change. Now, how open, we'll find out. Like Edelman was great because Edelman decided, damn it, I'm gonna be great. Like he just had the stick to itiveness, the want to, the desire. Tim Tebow wanted to be a quarterback. Then he finally gave up and said, I'll be something else, but then didn't really want to be that. He, he was kind of wishy-washy. So how and Cordell Stewart made plays, made plays, but clearly intended to be a quarterback again at some point and was. So that's the one thing that what is Malik Cunningham really? Is he just saying he'll be an athlete to get his foot in the door, but he's really thinking, yeah, once I'm there, I'm going to prove to them I'm a quarterback. Cause if that's true, I don't think he'll make it. If he really will embrace be an athlete, be one of the best 53, get on the field any way I can, coach, whatever you want, coach, I'll do it, coach, as hard as I can, coach, then I think he has a chance to succeed.
1: If the guy can even throw the ball within five yards of an intended target between oh. eight and 18 yards downfield, tell you what, he sounds like a great option for a third slash emergency quarterback over Trace McSorley, no matter how much you love his viral internet song or <laughs> swag or the fact that he had pedigree with Bill O'Brien, blah, 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 blah. How great an option could that potentially be? If he does have the will, if he has the grit, he puts in the time to fit into the system, find some usage, make the team. I mean, when, you, when you know you have a guy, you can call upon, like, go be a gunner on special teams. All right, I need you. Uh, you know, he could be challenging Demario Mario Douglas, like we said earlier, for the slot receiver time. Uh, he could be a returner, could be the emergency quarterback. There are a million different ways you find to deploy A talent like his. So that's one of the players I will be most intrigued to keep an eye on throughout the spring, into the summer, camp, and beyond. And by the way, because he is a person and has parents and feelings, too, that would be Jordan, J-O-U-R-D-A-N, Helig, linebacker, special teamer from Appalachian State, the other undrafted free
0: agent. I don't know why I trust you. I knew whatever name you said earlier was not even close to being right, and my instincts were like, that's not close, but... I wasn't sure, so I didn't say it, but yes. He's he's an interesting guy because there's not a lot of info on him. I saw Mm -hmm. a lot of the beat reporters like, huh, this guy's kind of an unknown, flying under the radar and feels like that's appropriate in some ways for this draft class and this draft season. But he also played a lot. Yeah, I think he had like 51 career games, Mm -hmm. and he fits the mold of special teams, athletes, see what he's got kind of guy.
1: Could be competing against Amir Speed and Isaiah Bolden for practice squad time to be a special team or the future or more. We shall see. And you, dear listener, part of our Six Rings community, uh, Foxborough faithful, you shall now be entertained by a chat old Jumbo himself had at Gillette Stadium with our friend, friend of show, uh, excellent beat reporter for the Boston Herald, Andrew Callahan, who caught up with Jim Nagy about some draft-related and Patriots matters. So here's Andy talking to Andrew Callahan. About the Patriots, Jim Nagy, the draft, and more. Take a listen.
0: Back here on the Six Rings and Football Things podcast, and returning to our fall roots of doing a beat writer interview from Gillette Stadium. No, it's not the season, but it is the offseason. There's player availability. We're back in the new media workroom at Gillette Stadium, and joining us today is Andrew Callahan from the Boston Herald. Andrew, welcome. And right out the gates, I'm just going to say it. How'd you like the draft?
2: I like the draft. I thought it was solid. I thought it was relatively normal. I was higher on the draft, and I think consensus, give it the hard B, maybe even closer to B plus and B minus. So all things considered, and maybe this was just the, you know, you touched the stove once last year with Tyquan Thornton and Cole Strange, and you pull back and you're not going back there again. Uh, I think they handled their business well.
0: So one of the, uh, of course, WEEI is a talk radio station, so we uh, slum it in talk radio topics from time to time, including Fitzy and I here on the Six Rings podcast this idea that because you trade down and get a player, that you somehow value said player less, do you buy into that? Because I am, a, I am one who, coming into the draft, I thought Christian Gonzalez was the perfect pick. I would have traded up probably into the top eight to get him. They, I may have been upset at the time, but they traded down, added an asset, and still got, in my opinion, the best player at the position where they had the biggest need. Do you believe they valued Christian Gonzalez appropriately?
2: Uh, I think so. And I will say two things. One, if you're looking to complain about the Christian Gonzalez pick for everything that we knew about him pre-draft, everything we know about the Patriots' needs and how those align, you were just looking to be upset at the pick. This is a consensus top 10 player. This was a guy who was arguably number one in his position. And the second thing I would say is this, and we may or may not believe the Patriots on this, but we asked Matt Groh about that trade back from 14 Um, the Jets were behind them at 15 and then Washington. He said, we had a good sense Christian was going to last until 17 because Pittsburgh was coming up for a tackle. The Jets weren't going to take a corner. And they had good intel that the commanders liked Emmanuel Forbes over Christian Gonzalez. So at that point, they say, yeah, there's a little risk if a team trades up into one of those slots, 15 or 16. But we'll probably get our guy and add a fourth-round pick, which for them was useful considering the run they had in offensive linemen.
0: So I think I've gone a little soft because there's a couple issues that I kind of am buying, I guess, the – belichick spin or the team-based spin and the first that i buy was this question of well you didn't go any offense early in the draft you went defense 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 first round second round third round for whatever reason you don't want to help mac or you want to help your son and he's the defensive coordinator the defense wasn't the problem and bill sort of -of matter-of-factly i believe on day two of the draft said well in free agency we basically went out and got a tackle a tight end a running back a wide receiver uh And I agree with him. I bought it hook, line, and sinker. Did you make anything of the defense-heavy early drafting?
2: I think he was being mostly honest when he said, basically, that's how the draft board fell. Now, the one quibble I would have is in that second round where they're at 46. You had tight ends I thought would fit here really well, one of which Vegas went up uh, to, I think it was 37 or thirty, maybe even higher. Uh, Yeah, they were at 38. So this was like 33 or 34 to get Michael Mayer, who you know of Vegas is high in them, Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels. He's a fit in New England where they're going back to that style. Then Luke Musgrave goes 42 to Green Bay. Those are guys who fit your typical wide tight end, can play in line and split out. And the Patriots are very familiar with trading up in the second round, had done it for five straight years. So that's a move they could have made. I, I mapped out all these different trades where they could spend a fourth round or two and get up into exactly those ranges for Mayer or Musgrave. Now, as far as the defense falling where it was, you know Mike Reese, I know, reported that they were looking or made calls to trade out of the third round, go with Marte Mapu, and that was their pick. So, yeah, I didn't see it um as as really you know offense versus defense I think it was their board the other part about the mock conversation really quickly is I think people who are asking do they do enough to help Mac are making the case that Mac needs more help like if you're high on Mac I think you're fine because you think he's really good he can overcome this if you don't think he's very good you're saying they needed to do more
0: and something that obviously plays into the equation is Bill O'Brien you went from Your words, Boston Herald, you and Karen Garigian, who's moved on. Congrats to Karen. Uh, Great career, great woman. Um, But you guys wrote the story on the dysfunction. If you just become functional, competent, normal. Let's not even say, you know, Bill O'Brien is the greatest of all time. He just kind of lets everybody take a breath and feel pretty confident going to the field. That's a major advancement for Mac and everybody involved in that offense. But I did want to jump across, you you mentioned Marte Mapu, who... Is an interesting athlete. I'm not going to pretend I know a ton about him. We've all seen the highlights. You read about him, defensive player of the year in his conference, and some. I mean, the the highlight the Patriots put out on social media where he's just blowing somebody up. And I know you talked to Jim Nagy, Senior Bowl director, former Patriots scout, and he emphasized that hitting actually talking about how he hits. Maybe heavier than his weight would would lead you to believe. And he kind of talked about where he thinks he'll be positioned for the Patriots. Where do you see Mapu, when he gets healthy, coming off a of pack, but when he gets healthy, what do you think he could mean for this defense?
2: So Mapu I see as a box safety. And I know the the easy comparison is to go Kyle Duggar, right? Because he's around 6'2", 6'3". Mapu's a little bit taller um, Nagy says he's a little bit more explosive on contact, which I didn't know. I learned every year, Andy, like a new scouting term that they're inventing or saying along the way. I trust Jim's evaluation, though, because he fits from a body type standpoint. He's very instinctive in coverage. You know, again, he's athletic, and he hits with an outsized kind of violence. Again, you're 220, but you're hitting like you're Jawan Bentley at 250. Now, it's not so much how hard do you hit, but how hard, you know, how long can your body hold up against hits coming your way from offensive linemen who are literally 100 pounds heavier than you. So, I think he'll he'll have a role. You don't draft a guy in the 3rd round without a definitive idea, as much as Bill tried to tell that exactly to me on the press conference call after they selected him, but he could be a dime linebacker early on. I just wonder if he might be a player and we see this from time to time. Does all these different things but where does he win? Like, is he better in theory than reality? We won't find out until they put the pads on really in August. Uh, but for now I'm excited because I knew i heard from someone at the combine, Bill loved him. I checked in on that after they took him, which obviously should be confirmation enough, but someone from the team got back to me and said, yes, Bill loves this guy. So they're going to give him every chance they can to let him play.
0: And I feel like he's the type of player, whether it's Duggar or Adrian Phillips, Jabril Peppers talking about a guy who probably hits a little heavier than his weight. Um, and the, what that brought to the defense, but I feel like this goes back almost decades, where Bill, whether you whether you call it the big nickel with anybody from, um, uh, I'm drawing a blank on some of the names, Tank Williams, for example, they brought in, and there's been these various guys, or even to some degree the Cam McGrones of the world where it's like, are they going to get lighter and more athletic at linebacker? And I know we've had these conversations with Gerard Mayo in recent years because Mayo, Bentley, hell, Mike Vrabel, like they've just been a big linebacker team for basically two decades. So you don't necessarily think this is a, the guy I fell in love with in the Super Bowl against the Falcons, Deion Jones, like smaller, faster run around linebackers you don't necessarily see mapu as a a every down linebacker or a early down linebacker
2: so Nagy does but the way the patriots use their linebackers to really plug those a gaps against the run a bentley a jelani tavai like i don't think he can hold up doing that again if it's more specialized if he's playing like you know the overhang defender so you're kind of in that hybrid nickel spot where again you see kyle duggar who's sometimes in the box and doing those things but it's not consistent down after down so with the patriots look they ran it back at linebacker re-signed everyone including mac wilson who's only 230, but he's 6'1", so it's a little more compact and dense body type. Mapu, I think, is someone that will fit in where Phillips does, Peppers does, Duggar does, where you see them spinning back on occasion as a single high safety, or he's playing kind of uh, some cloud coverage. So I, again, it's not; it's more safety to me in terms of the responsibilities. Whatever your label is, you could probably get away with linebacker or safety, but I think that's the role that they've carved out for years. John Lynch, another one before he yep, retired. Yep. Patriots, great John Lynch. Yes. Uh, I think that that's... What's more important is the assignments, and those assignments will be more the box
0: safety stuff. So the other um, thing that I have found really interesting in reactions to the draft is this angst about day three picks used on specialists, special teamers. And first of all, I I feel like if you get really worked up about day three picks, you might want to get a girlfriend, get a hobby, (laughs) do something to lighten the load in your life. The stress is getting to you. But I also look at it from the – I keep saying it like this. We've bitched about special teams for two years. They don't have a punter. Well, uh, Corliss Waitman, sorry, don't mean to be disrespectful, but I'm not presuming you're just the guy. And Nick Folk isn't getting any younger. It looked like he got a little worn down last year when he had to take a bigger load. So they needed a punter and a kicker. They had 12 picks. They got the second-best kicker, theoretically, the best punter, and they drafted some guys that look like they are, you know, special team 101. Oh, you're 6'2", you're 210, and you run a four three. Yes, I can find a spot from you in a coverage unit. What was your reaction to sort of the emphasis on day three in in the kicking game? And do you think it is an overall emphasis on, wow, we've been really bad on special teams. We need to clean this crap up.
2: I think – the emphasis is totally warranted. Like this was the worst special teams in the league last year. You allow half of the kick return touchdowns in the NFL in a given season, you're screwing up royally. And that's not only just the coverage units where we could go back to the Buffalo game and parse through, it was this Miles miss tackle or Pierre Strong, you know, lost containment. Like they didn't have anyone on the roster who could just put the ball from the tee through the back of the end zone for a touchback. Okay. And that went down when you lost Jake Bailey. So they replaced Jake Bailey with Bryce Berger, who was bombing 70 yarders at the senior bowl out of Michigan State supposedly the talk of the senior bowl not just from Jim Nagy Danny Kelly told me that from the ringer of my podcast this week and as far as Chad Ryland if he went in the fifth round, like, I don't think people, to use your word, are bitching that much because that feels like more kicker territory. It's not the highest draft specialist specialists Belichick's ever taken, which is exactly what Ryland is. You needed to address this, though, because Folk hit the crossbar from, I think it was 46 or 48, late in the season in December. Those are the kicks that are going to make the difference between the Patriots making the playoffs in 2023 or missing it. You needed to address those. If you want to, you know, again, complain about... A mere Speed in the sixth round a guy who couldn't really see the field until he was a six-year senior at Michigan State, transferred from Georgia. I don't think he's going to play corner here. So another core special teamer, sure. But these are six-round picks. Like, you throw them at the wall and see what sticks in training camp. As far as Ryland and Behringer go, no, you needed to address these, and they did.
0: And if you're going to throw something against the wall, and I think Matt Groves certainly seems to believe in this, go with a 4-3 guy. Yeah. Like, yes. If you want fast players, you got to draft fast players, says Matt. A
2: guy whose name is literally speed. Yeah, (laughs) right.
0: So um, you just brought it up. You said if they're going to make the playoffs. So that's where I wanted to go. Just sort of we're kind of in the late stages of roster building. For the most part, these are your 90-man roster. Like this is what you're going to start to work with. Build around Bill O'Brien. What is your um and I I guess I'll share with you mine and then you can lead into yours so I think they are a more competitive roster I think they're a more competitive team I think they are going to be a better football team next year and I think they could finish fourth in the AFC East like I think all of that can be true just because you're better doesn't mean you move up the standings or make the playoffs how do you feel about what this team has done to fix what were problems from a year ago maybe accentuate strengths whatever where do you feel like they are in It's still early. I know, Bill, we're not going to play a game until September, but how do you feel about what they've done with this team?
2: So the framework I've started to use when you look ahead for uh, prognosticating is the over-under totals from Vegas, because if you're looking at strength of schedule, you need to see what your opponents are currently projected for. The Patriots, what it's worth, are seven and a half. Mm -hmm. I feel much better saying the over on seven and a half. Not that I'm putting any money on that. I'm not. Nothing NFL-related. I wouldn't. FanDuel sponsors my podcast. I don't bet football, but... Do they make the playoffs or not? I mean, then you get into the conversation of injuries. And it sounds like a cop-out. But you look at Miami. It's a very top-heavy roster. Like, they're getting Jalen Ramsey. Not the twilight of his career, but certainly the back nine. Made that big deal for Bradley Chubb. Not a huge impact guy. You need all of them to come through and come through big. If Tua has another concussion, God forbid, that sends their season you know, into the tank, I think. Because they were a team that were just like the Patriots at the end of last year and wouldn't have made the playoffs if the Patriots not lost. The bottom line, though, I think is the, the truest story will be They'll bring an appreciably better football team. They'll have plugged a lot of holes, right tackle, special teams, um, you know, some coverage linebacker stuff, which they did in the offseason. But you won't necessarily see it in the record. They could be eight and nine. Again, I think they'll be nine and eight, one of the two. It just won't be reflected. This won't see a big three, four-win jump like you did 2020 to 2021. It's just because of the schedule, which is the hardest in the league, by those over-under win totals. There's only so much you can overcome. But the story of the playoffs, I think, comes down to things outside of their control. It could be offensive line issues with the Jets. Two is health. Maybe the Bills fall apart. Who knows? Uh, But they've got enough. They've got more. This could be their most competitive roster, I think, since 2019.
0: So I have this very unscientific theory that you can sort of look at a team and base some of what they're doing based around um, how excited fans are to buy a jersey, whose jerseys they're buying. And this is a team like last year, I think that was an area where it's like, huh. I already bought a Mac. I don't feel great about the Mac. Maybe I get a Jude on in terms of new players. Christian Gonzalez, Keon White, or Mike Gasecki, James Rob. Like, who do you think some of the impact newcomers are going to be and are any of them worthy of future jersey purchases?
2: So it's funny because this brings me back to a year ago, right? Just after the draft, everyone's going, what the hell was that? But then the guy at the top, Cole Strange, wears 69. So those 69 Strange jerseys or Strange nine, were flying off the shelves. But after him, you know, I I think you'd like to lean Juju Smith-Schuster. I just have trouble for the Patriots where – I think it was, you know, uh, six with Jacoby Myers and half dozen with Juju. He's a little bit better after the catch, but you're buying high. And his best seasons have come when he's across from an all-pro. It's not a knock on him that he played with Antonio Brown and then Travis Kelsey last year in Kansas City. You just don't know where you're going to get when he's the quote-unquote number one guy. So I think they'll have a better system to set them up as far as impact guys go. Christian Gadal is at the top of my list. I don't know if he starts week one. They might feel comfortable with Jonathan Jones and Jack Jones, but he'll be there at some point in the season. Uh, I'm lower on Gesicki. But it's, it's going to be interesting. I think the competition, which is the coach's cliche, is going to bring the best out of everyone. They've taken the approach of pass catcher where it's like someone will you know stand out because Gesicki plays in the slot. Juju Smith-Schuster plays in the slot. DeMario Douglas, who they took in the sixth round. Keyshawn Booty maybe plays. I don't know. But they're, they're going to have to prove it. And I think that depth is something you look last year, certainly the year before, you didn't have that position group. So it's hard to say if I were putting my money down. Um, I'd say a big bounce back year for Hunter Henry. And then, yeah, let's just go with Juju.
0: And uh, a name I always like to throw out there because I'm higher than on him than most people are, James Robinson. I think he's going to be a sneaky contributor. I think if people go back and look at what he did in Jacksonville, that he could be a Ramondre light, where he could be that sort of dual threat, catch the ball a little bit, run the ball a little bit. I do think Christian Gonzalez will be popular because if he gets jersey zero, I know Jack Jones, maybe he Christian Gonzalez, whichever, zero I think will be popular just because of the first year um, of the zeros. But do you feel good about just the just where the team is going so you just said more competitive I agree with you I think they're a more competitive team more competitive roster we also seem to kind of both agree that that may not lead to wins like you are what your record says you are so you may still end up being an eight nine or a nine and eight football team but longer term like is this trending in the right direction and that obviously gets into Bill Belichick chasing a record for wins but also chasing The end of his own career. They're like closer to the end than he is to the beginning, as Tom Brady would say. Like, do you feel there is a positive momentum or development with
2: this franchise as a whole? Definitely, because I think it'd be hard to go further in reverse. You know, they're they're not going zero to sixty; they're going from negative sixty, going backwards to zero and neutral, and now kind of moving forward. And you look at free agency. Like, I think they didn't do enough at offensive tackle for the present or the future. Riley Reef was discarded by the Bears and the Bengals, who in each of the last two seasons had one of the worst offensive lines in football. They said, thanks, but no thanks. So he's here. He got one year, $5 million. Calvin Anderson, okay, back from the Broncos, you know, not great shakes of the offensive line. Let him go for a two-year deal. So they're taking, again, a similar approach of these middle-class veterans who will give you better value in these contracts because someone will break out, and that'll be a big win. The blue chip talent though is still a big issue. And I've asked other people, you know, who work for teams around the league about what do you make of this roster? Yeah, it's better, but who are we scared of if I'm an offensive coordinator or defensive coordinator the night before a game? And you just don't have that. Devin McCourty said it on Quick Slants, I think yesterday, 2 days ago. So, that's something they still need to overcome. The progress is being made, it's just how fast is it? Because the clock that's ticking. If you believe in Mac and I think we're going to get the best out of Mac Jones this season is his rookie contract, and it's a point that's been beaten into the ground, but it holds true. The next two years are really the window here, unless they want to trade out a quarterback, but then the question is, what are your other options? Because no one's really giving away a top 15 quarterback for pennies on the dollar, and that's what you're looking at if you want to make an appreciable upgrade. There's progress here. They're in the right direction. I just think it's going to be slower, ultimately, than people want, unless, of course, things break their way, because last year, there was no breaking free from the chains of Matt Patricia and Joe Judge running your offense.
0: He is Andrew Callahan of not only the Boston Herald and the definitive breakdown with Karen Garigian of the dysfunction of the 2022 Patriots, but also the Pat's Interference podcast. So not only should you be a listener to Six Rings and Football Things, but you should be a subscriber and listener to Pat's Interference. I know you've heard Fitzy there. I think you may hear some other people that are familiar there. Uh, next week. Yep. I-, I look forward to making my Pat's Interference debut for Andrew Callahan. Andy Hart, Six Rings and Football Things out.
1: As always, we thank you for the mileage and the legwork, Andy, and Andrew Callahan for the time. Callahan, as I've mentioned before, is one of my favorite follows. I think he's a great writer. Um, a Boston media presence in Bloom has phenomenal taste in beer. He's a P1 to vitamin C, like myself as well. Oh, stop it. You love it when I bring him for you. Hey, I, we're recording this on Star Wars Day, and vitamin C just released a Star Wars-themed uh mandalorian ipa called this is the way ipa so they deserve a shout as far as i'm concerned there okay i don't people. hate it I'm even
0: i have an idea for right the vitamin c because i do like vitamin c i've said yes. it many times the blueberry okay. pancake breakfast was one of the most interesting things i've ever partaken in yeah. but you know what they should come out with my andy hart's ipa where we just call it christmas tree water
2: <laughs>
1: and you just want like christmas because it tastes because <laughs> that's like a west coast ipa that's right. actually a great idea for a west coast ipa around the holidays I thank will share you. that with Dino and I will make sure when he gives me a four pack to give to you that I drink the first three <laughs> just to test it out for you. Okay. Um, no, we thank we thank all of our, the local people that are very generous to the Callahan's, the Jumbos, the keeps and the Fitzies with uh, the delicious beer for trying to provide you with some fun Foxborough opinions and more. All right. So here in our last little segment, uh, we'll get to Mike Vrabel uh, who was just elected 34th member of the Ring of Patriots Hall of Fame. I did want to ask you one quick question, though. Did you happen to see Kyle Brandt on uh, Wake Up It's Football or Good Morning Touchdown, whatever you like to call it? We all know it's called Good Morning Football. Uh, he did a little thing called QB Tears. He ranked mm-hmm. all the quarterbacks into mm-hmm. seven tiers. You know, Keith, when you're off and on on Tuesdays on the Rich Keefe Show, you guys do Tier Tuesday. Yep, it's a big thing. It is. Um, he, ha- Yeah, Very he lovely. had uh, Mac Jones in the sixth of seven tiers uh, with three other quarterbacks. Um, It is the season for a lot of people to try to just get clicks and get your attention. Uh, I think he was even in the same tier as if I'm not mistaken, Tua and Trevor Lawrence, to which I say, are you shitting me? Easy, easy. Kids are listening. If they made it this far, they know what they're in for. Earmuffs, (laughs) earmuffs, blank balls. All right. Um, Yeah,
0: I found this interesting, and the thing that jumped out at me not wasn't necessarily where Mac Jones was. I think he should be near the bottom tier after last year. It's just the reality. Sorry, Mac. It is what it is. But that Trevor Lawrence and Tua were all in the same tier because basically the the final tier was the rookies. So if you were a veteran, you were seemingly automatically in the sixth tier. You stayed out of the seventh tier. I feel like he needed an eighth tier. If I'm a Jags fan, I'm offended. Who do you think feels better about their quarterback, the Jags or the Patriots, Trevor Lawrence uh, or Mac Jones?
1: It's the exact opposite of where it was after yep. 2021 because we were saying, who do you think feels better about their quarterback after 2021 was Mac over Trevor? And by the way, Trevor Lawrence, his actual, uh, uh, is that his actual count? Yes, it is. Uh, Trevor Lawrence quote tweeted it and says, the game ain't played on paper. Good for, good for him. Jimmy Garoppolo is by himself in fifth place in fourth place is Russell Wilson. Are you kidding? Come on. What
0: are we, Kyle, Kyle, but now I I would like to hear, I didn't see the segment. I'm assuming this was a segment on his show as well. So I didn't hear the Mm -hmm. verbal uh, defense and arguments for each. Now I will say we just kind of voiced how you could argue for Mac Jones and Trevor Lawrence to be in the same category would be a simple math equation. Average it Right. Mm -hmm. A plus B divided by two. You had a crappy A and a very good B for one guy. You had a very good A and a crappy B for the other guy. You divide by two. They're both in the same area, right? A mm-hmm. A plus B divided by two. So, now, I don't think it works that way. I think the Jags feel like they have a franchise quarterback. I think the Patriots are wondering if they have a starting quarterback. So, there, there's a little <laughs> differentiation there. Yep. Um, but it was interesting, and you can – you know, sort of the, the, the Garoppolo one was strange, him on his own little
1: island above these guys, but I mean he's handsome enough. Does he need the spotlight?
0: Yeah, it it was a strange, but this is why these are good tiering or lists or any you know, power rankings, because they get people like us, and there's so many blogs and podcasts out there to debate, defend, mm-hmm. bitch about. So good job by Brandt.
1: Yeah, I actually thought it was uh I thought it was reasonably interesting um and i loved disagreeing with it as well and it's gonna probably that you've already seen trevor lawrence barking about it i think other quarterbacks have as well so a little extra fuel for the fire a little extra a little extra coal in the box if you will um and yeah i do love a good power ranking in the offseason just to give us a little something extra to talk about all right vrabes mike vrabel 50 Made the number great before Ninko took it and ran with it and did some great things himself as well. A cast-off from the Pittsburgh Steelers. Free agent signing in the summer of 2001. Becomes one of the pillars, one of the defensive pillars upon which the first half of the Patriots' double dynastic run is built. One of uh, a favorite of Brady, Coach Belichick. Someone everyone said had an incredibly high football IQ. Everyone knew he was going to be a coach one day. Spoiler alert, it worked out. He would also become a coach that would get under his previous coach's skin and help knock Tom Brady out of a Patriots uniform. He is now the latest member of the Patriots Hall of Fame class. I believe, personally, Logan Mankins deserves it. Hopefully, he'll get in as well. One of the top Patriots to never get a ring uh, during his time, during that double dynastic run. Bill Parcells continues to be a polarizing and controversial figure. There's been a lot of online arguing. And by the way, I'd just like to remind everyone, when you're having a discourse about who you believe is a better Patriot or a greater fit for the Patriots Hall of Fame, try to actually not be a complete jackass when you're talking to your fellow humans about your opinion and why you believe your opinion is more correct than others. Just a just a cautionary little reminder or request from your old pal Fitz here.
0: Um, is that general but, or does that have a, a specific root? Oh,
1: there were some specifics, but I'm way too positive and far and in far too good a mood to recount some of the filth and <laughs> disgusting behavior that I saw online after the, the results were announced the other day. But, yeah, Andy, I there's no denying, regardless of how you feel about Mankins, you know I want to push for Welker next year, Parcells and more. Mike Vrabel is deserving. He seems honored by it. It's a great fit. It's long overdue. And I'll tell you, with his attitude, his wit, and his cunning bite, I think it's going to make for a hell of an induction, and it's going to make for a great speech. No question that it has the potential to be the best of all time, for him to tell
0: stories, for him to... Um, just recount things, bust balls because he mm-hmm. is the ultimate ball buster. He's a guy's guy. You know, we all learned that famously in that clip a few years ago where he talked about cutting off his you know what to win a super bowl <laughs> I and he was a bar school podcast. <laughs> um, he is he's that guy. Like, I, I love him, one of the more interesting, competitive,
1: versatile guys. Just smart like, dude. And he didn't he famously super. always bust Brady's balls, uh receive what offense, like he gave it to Bill as bad Bill too, right? Famous
0: story. I think I can tell this. I may have already told it before. Who knows? But go ahead. There was a story that I was recounted in a team meeting. Bill was um, sort of cautioning against the team, reading its own press clippings and getting too big of a head at some point in one of these seasons where they were always good. Obviously, they won 14 games every year, that whole thing. Mm -hmm. And he he said something about, you know, the media is going to be giving you guys a bunch of BJs, not Mm -hmm. the wholesale club. The other thing, yep. and he, and he went on a and then the the talk continued for like another five minutes, and Bill stopped. And when Bill stopped, Vrabel raised his hand and said, "Um, can we get get back to those BJs? How do we get?" That? <laughs> <laughs> and obviously, the whole place erupts. He was a ballbuster. Like he yeah. remember that he wore the Giants helmet once because Bill talks about the Giants linebackers so much that he got sick of hearing it, so he came to practice in a. That's giant funny. Helmet. That's funny. Like, he he's such a unique guy now. The fact that he's a head coach, I don't know how open he'll be in his little chat on the podium and his speech and everything at Patriot Place. I also, am I wrong to presume here that this means the Titans will probably be in Foxborough in the preseason? That's, that is
1: that right. is the app. that That's what I wrote about the other day. Uh, there, the Patriots already have committed to joint practices with the Green Bay Packers in right. Green Bay, right. which will be very interesting as well, because I'm sure Bill Belichick... Uh, thrifty as he may be known to be could probably use the company card to take Matt Lafleur out to dinner and just absolutely pump his brain along with anyone else that's available for all the extra Rogers Intel they possibly can get to get inside his head or defend against. him. now they have to play him twice this fall. But that to me, that the biggest tell is the Patriots had to have been in touch with the league to say like, yeah, we want to do joint practices with the Titans. So put them on our preseason. Like that's going to be, your one, because the Pats will have one preseason home game, that will be your one preseason home game with joint practices and a ceremony for Vrabes.
0: And the joint practice schedule is generally joint practice, joint practice, day off, preseason game. So it works perfectly. That day off will be the ceremony at the Plaza at Gillette Stadium.
1: It'll like be Vrabel 97 games. degrees with the heat reflecting off Perfect. the new tower. Yeah.
0: Perfect. And hopefully Vrabel does tell stories because he's um, he's just a phenomenal um doesn't take himself too seriously is never afraid to speak his mind gets him in trouble occasionally Mm -hmm. as people may remember there was the theorization that he was traded with Matt Castle to the Chiefs because he was openly discussing um during the CBA negotiations the financials of Patriot Place and how they claim that that mall has nothing to do with us players we're not part of that revenue even though it's built a stone's throw from from the stadium and it's called Patriot place and I he's like didn't we
1: build that didn't I help build that too yeah
0: so you know there was there was some uh times there at the end that may not have been perfect but certainly everybody probably saw the video the other day when Robert Kraft FaceTimed him to let him know he was the winner of the fan voting okay so Vrabel's worthy we can all agree I think Mm -hmm. it took seven years for him to get through the process of
1: he had some good competition to cut against and it's good that he got in now because we have discussed previously the log jam that is coming up
0: But that's where I want to go. So Vrabel, we can all agree, is a Patriots Hall of Famer for everything he did. You know, we can bust Fourier's balls that he used to come in and take Fourier's touchdowns. He was the Uh, ultimate. Still
1: a very sensitive subject. Yes. Yes, it is. (laughs) Um,
0: But, okay, so Vrabel deserves to be in. That's great. He and Scar will go in in August when the Titans apparently come to town, joint practices. But what we need to talk about is obviously the two guys that didn't get in this vote, which would be Bill Parcells. And Logan Mankins, mm-hmm. but also a guy like Wes Welker, who I continue to believe sh- is the most disrespected player in the history of the franchise by your
1: people, Foxborough, quote unquote, faithful. Uh, it, and shame and shame on each and every single one of them. I, I blame you, it, people like you. No, do not. Yeah. I am the one who's leading the charge. I have now made it my are. mission. No, 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 no. no. for you the longest time, I had not. That you absolutely control. not. You no, don't that, you dare. I want none control. of. That smoke. I have worn the jersey proudly. I still have my Welka t-shirt. I have been a card carrying map. Sure, was I disappointed that he decided to leave afterward? I understand that there was some contentious uh dialogue discussion and contractual negotiations, and he and bellcheck didn't always see eye to eye. Apparently, they were mad that he took the franchise tender of nine years for the 2012 season, nine million. And that's when they started d- developing Edelman behind him. Obviously, the succession plan worked out. Edelman became that guy, not even Amendola after Welker left and went to Denver of all places, two years, 12 million. No, I believe I've told you he belongs in the pro football Hall of Fame, not just the Patriots Hall of Fame. And people need to get dude. You cannot argue the impact he had on the wide receiver position. He made the position. Huh?
0: He made the position. Exactly. He took it to the level it's at. And everybody can argue that everybody loved him. Um, You know, for a while. There was like a running joke, like the white Patriots slot receiver, obviously, because Mm -hmm. you had Welker to Edelman to Amendola in that world. Mm -hmm. But he was respected by everybody on the football field, defensive players, offensive players, black players, white players, quarterbacks, coaches, anybody he came across because of what he did statistically. um, And I always go back to the one word Bill likes to use. Availability is the most important ability. He was so effing durable despite. and. I think it kind of has affected his post-playing career life. I think he's his head got knocked around a little more often than it should have. For Had any to wear game. that big helmet. People joked yep.
1: it was a Marvin the Martian helmet. His body also took a beating. My God, yep. he got lit up sometimes. And so got up. yeah, he did, and, and yeah, up. and he got up and he got even after he tore his ACL in that meaningless game in Houston, January 2010, before they got their doors blown off by the Ravens in the wild card game. He was there in September, lined up with a brand new, and still had a good season. By the way, giving hope for what Bill O'Brien may do with the wide receivers this fall, he is an expert, a whiz, at getting the most out of a slot receiver. Welker's two best seasons came under O'Brien in 2009 and in 2011. And Welker's best seasons are historically good. You're talking
0: 1,500-yard type seasons. And you mentioned it. He came back from that ACL quicker than probably he should have, was not himself, was not comfortable. I remember covering Mm -hmm. him that year and him talking about going through that process still caught 80-plus balls, still had what would be a great year for virtually anybody else, but because it wasn't 110 or 120, which is what he was mm-hmm. used to, it was seen as a down year. So Wes Welker, you and I can agree, not all fans will, because some still hate him for the Super Bowl or for the foot jokes or for pushing back financially against Belichick and all of those various – or going to the the Broncos, and then he took out Akib Talib because – Bill Belichick told the sheep that he took out a keep to leave, even though the sheep should think for themselves, watch the play and realize it's called football for a reason. That makes no sense, Andy. It's called football for no reason. You don't actually kick the ball very often. So move on. Soccer
1: should be Uh, called football. Yes,
0: exactly. Uh, So Wes Welker. But I also want to get into because this debate, as you said, coming down the pipeline, we have Brady, Gronkowski, Edelman, um, uh, Amandola, White, James James White, McCordy. James yeah. Devlin. I'm going to keep saying James Devlin. Okay. You can keep category. saying James Devlin. Um, it's going to get busy, and it still is busy. Like, these two guys next year, theoretically, Mankins and Parcells, should be back on the ballot with one person added. Probably next year, it should be Welker, Mankins, and Parcells in the fan voting. But would you be open to, I've heard a lot of people, I believe Glenn Ordway even got involved in this discussion when the Vrabel announcement came. Do you think they should, at any point now, expand the process to there's going to be too much of a log jam. Do they, because of the great era they had, there's so many guys. Do you think they should, I love what you're doing. If you're not watching and you're only listening, Fitzy shaking his head. And that is the right answer.
1: No. And as a matter of fact, when Edelman retired, I tweeted at the Patriots Hall and said, Hey, can we just hasten the process now? Skip the five years and put him in and give him his red jacket immediately. They wrote back and said, it's only four years and no.
0: Perfect. That's the answer.
1: That is the, that is the answer. We have a protocol for a reason. And for the page, who knows how good they might be this fall, next fall, the fall after that fall after that fall after that. But if you want to not quote live in the past, you know, we need to, we need to grow. It's a star Wars day. Kylo Ren famously said, kill, you know, kill the past. That's the only way you can become what you were meant to be. Stop living in the past. But if the Patriots want to find a way to string along the joy ride that was the double dynastic run, then you just put another one in every year and you get a new reason to cut together a Super Bowl highlight package and bring about all the Foxborough feels for basically the next decade while you rebuild the team.
0: And it's a it's a as you like to say you people, it's it's a pretty impressive flex. If a decade from now you're still putting in dynasty players, that tells other people like wow, there were so many freaking good players on those teams. Like it took this long to keep putting, because if you, to me, it also cheapens it. Now I will say if you want to make special accommodations for bill Belichick and Tom Brady, do it together. When bill retires, do it. However you want to handle those two, Mm -hmm. they are above the fray. They are a different category. Handle that how you will.
1: When Brady goes in, what they should do is just put belt like, Belichick should be the exception and they should be forced to go. And, but they probably won't. They'll probably want each to get their own day of individual acknowledgement. Even though truly the least sexy answer to was it Brady or was it Bill is it was both of them. Damn it. And they should be, they should go in hand in hand, but Brady's going to get in there first.
0: But other than that, I don't want some like, cleanup dump of like five players. Cause wow, we're really falling behind here. So plus it cheapens it for the guys. The guys should yeah. have their day. They should be able to get mm-hmm. their red jacket, tell their stories about their teammates, about Will their Forks friends. last
1: year was so emotional. I was there with a bunch of other friends mm-hmm. and fans and it was, um, it was awesome. I highly recommend if you want to hear speeches about the things you didn't get to know that'll color in, in between the lines and fill out the character of these people. The fact that like, Will Fork, you know, losing his parents, being a 20 year old orphan, the Patriots veritably adopting him, looking at Belichick and Kraft, like the father and grandfather that he needed. And he was crying. Everyone was crying. I was sweating and crying. Like it was awesome. It really was. And I highly recommend that. They all,
0: deserve that. They all they deserve do. That. Each individual, Mankins, like whoever you want to say, they all mm-hmm. deserve those days. So um, they'll all get in at some point. They're all worthy but don't cheapen it by altering the process.
1: All right. So next year, I think we've, and we'll wrap on this. I think next year we have, we've, we locked it up next year. Welker gets the fan ballot. Parcells will go in on the Scarnecchia slide. If you will, uh, the mm, veterans choice. wouldn't count on that. Huh? Wouldn't count should. On that. Well, he I, should. He should be in. I'm hundred percent.
0: But... He should be in. And I also, um, as much as I think it's obvious that Welker gets on the fan voting ballot, Um, I don't know. It's obvious for everybody in that room. There's people in that room on the committee that selects the three finalists that I think have lost their way or have biases. I'm not really sure what the problem is. Um, so while it should be in my mind, Mankins,
1: Parcells, Welker next year, Mm -hmm. I don't know that that's a, uh, fait accompli. No, nor do I. Ooh, look at you with the fancy terminology there at the end. Yep. That's what I do that means guarantee or a certain thing we will find out. And you will want to tune into this particular program when we hear about that next year as well. But in the interim, thanks for tuning in to the latest and always greatest edition of six rings and football things, where we talked about some new players, what they had to say a little bit more about the draft, the UDFAs, the hall of fame at Patriot place, and so much more. He's at jumbo heart. I'm at Fitzy GFY. This is at six rings pod. Good job, producer Justin Turpin, as always. Please rate, review, subscribe, and share wherever you get your awesome football talk and podcast can be found. Good day, as always. God bless. Go Pats. And may the force be with you. Always. Nope. nope. Yes. Yes. No. Nope.